SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It is Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. Hope you are having a great start to your week as we get ready for the World Series. It is Game 6 tonight, and it's possible that the Dodgers win a World Series for the first time since Joe was, what, five years old? I don't know. It's a long time ago. <laughs> I, think I, was very, I, think, I think I was very young, too, not to mention it. it was, we were both very young. I don't, I don't know. It's been a long time. SportsGrid didn't exist. Right? No. That we know. I had I had hair. I will tell you that. I did have hair you the last hair. time the Dodgers won a World Series. I was Brett 10. Levy, was he alive? Was our producer alive <laughs> the last time that the, the Dodgers uh, I would World say World no. Series. Yeah, I'm going to say no. It's a hard no on that. Yeah, it's a hard no on that one, I believe. But uh, Game was 6. Not. LTN wasn't even a company at that time. It was a different company. <laughs> it was LJN. They made wrestling toys, right? It was completely different at that time. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's how long it's been. And it's, I think it's going to be a very fascinating game tonight, and I can't wait to talk about it and just get the Monday night football game over with because there's nothing to talk about there. That game was terrible. That, that game was worse than any of the other games I saw on Sunday. So, Joe, I, you know, I, I think that the question we have to ask ourselves before we get to the headlines tonight is that how do the Dodgers manage this game tonight? Are they managing mm. this game to win, or are they managing to win one of the next two? Because I feel like they're do, they're managing it to win one of the next two, in my opinion. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I feel like they are kind of managing to win one of the next two. But I guess if you're the Dodgers, you feel like Game 7 is still in your wheelhouse anyway. So this is very difficult. I, I kind of believe that when you have a chance to put a team away in Game 6, you kind of let it all hang out. Now, the, the uh, opposing idea out there will be, well, if you do that and you lose – then all of a sudden, all the momentum goes to the other team. You throw everybody out there, you possibly can to win game six. All of a sudden, uh, game seven, you're behind. But if we weren't one thing in this series so far, the one thing that we have learned is that these teams are pretty even despite the payrolls. They keep going back and forth at each other, and it feels like, at least to me going into this game, that the Rays have to feel really good about having Blake Snell out there on that mound. And maybe it's the Dodgers' defeatism a little bit. Maybe it's the tough lefty on the mound that they're worried about potentially having another good game like he did last time out there. But it certainly feels like the Rays are in command, despite the fact the line is favoring the Dodgers. That's just my feeling on the game anyway, because there's no knock on Gonzalez. Gonzalez had a great season, but he's not Blake Snell. And I think you're looking for dominant pitching performances here in the World Series. And if you're going to put your finger on who has a better shot to do that tonight, you would imagine Blake Snell is the favorite there. So that's kind of my my intuition and my feeling about this game six. What's yours? Yeah, I think the Rays are going to win, and I think that this is going to go to Game 7 because I think the Rays are in – their backs are against the wall. They have no choice, so I think they go all in, and it puts them in a deficit for Game 7 for sure, but that's the bottom line. When you lose Game 1 of the World Series, you kind of have to go all in on Game 6 unless you have a massive comeback, which in general doesn't happen in the World Series, and that's where they're at. Let's look at our headlines for today. Uh, Dodgers can win it tonight. First time since, what is it, 88, I think? It's been that long. Rams uh, dominated on Monday Night Football. I got to give you full transparency on this one. Maybe five minutes of watch time for me. It was, I I couldn't do it. I tuned in, I tuned down, I tuned in, I tuned down. It was horrible. Uh, Seahawks running back, running backs are piling up. This is something we're really going to have to focus on because everybody needs a running back in fantasy, and I don't know who the Seahawks running back will be. 
Uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator Mike Nolan, is he on the hot seat? Well, it's kind of a pun here because by accident yesterday, Mike Nolan wiped his eyes with some t- Tabasco and had to be taken off his press conference, but thought I would mention that here at the top of the show. Pretty funny story. Uh, and then finally, Wisconsin, if you're into college football this coming Saturday, they had two of their quarterbacks test positive for COVID-19. They could be down to their fourth string. They'll play Nebraska at 3.30 Eastern on Saturday. So that's where we will begin our show. Dustin May, the good starter slash reliever slash opener for the Dodgers, who did such a good job in the last game that he pitched. It's kind of been him and Tony Gonsolin going back and forth between starts and open and coming in on the bullpen. And May talked about his relationship with Gonsolin and whether or not he'll be ready for tonight. I mean, it really just depends on the day. I mean, some days we talk a lot about baseball and some days we don't talk anything about baseball. I mean, it's not really anything set in stone with the way that we conversate before a start or whatnot. I mean, we've been throwing pretty much back and forth as starters for three years now. So um, he's going to go out and he's going to do his thing and he's going to dominate. Well, Joe, uh, Gonsolin did dominate during the regular season. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Game six of the World Series. It's a different story tonight, but I, I think the Dodgers are definitely showing a lot of confidence in, in him. It's a strange year. A lot of rookies are playing. A lot of rookie batters, rookie pitchers are are being forced in. The Rays have a kid, by the way. I think he made his major league debut in the postseason. Shane McClanahan went to South Florida, <laughs> left-handed pitcher. Uh, so, look, anything goes in these games. Predictions have been wildly off by anybody who's trying to figure it out. Saturday night was a really good indicator, I think, of that. And and this is the kind of series where I like to just sit back and enjoy. Am I hoping for a Game 7? Yes. Am I partial to that because I want another game? Of course. I'm not going to sit here and, and say anything different. So that's what I'm hoping for. And we're just going to have to see. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the game. That's it. <laughs> well, why wouldn't the Dodgers be confident in Gonsolin? I mean, the guy had a 2 ERA basically this year. Uh, the guy was very dominant. The guy hardly walked anybody. They get what, nine walks all year or something like that? It was insane. It was a single digits. I know that. And, I mean, if you're the Dodgers, you got here because of guys like May and like Gonsolin. So you're confident in the kids. And I always think that there's always a – With better teams, there's always a good mix of the veterans and then the youth. I always feel like those are the kind of teams that really do well. And the Dodgers have been here before. And I think with the Dodgers right now, what you're looking at is a team that's been here, been disappointed, and they feel like they are right here and they feel like they're in control. But at the same time, Blake Snell tonight is going to be all that they can handle. All right. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Monday Night Football came and went, and good thing it's gone. That game last night between the Rams and Bears set us back for years We've had some really good action on Sunday and Sunday night, but for whatever reason, uh, the Chicago Bears just couldn't get out of their own way and honestly maybe the most paper five-win team we've ever seen in the NFL because the Rams, who, by the way, may not be great also, uh, dominated them from start to finish in that game last night. Let's take a look real quick at the fantasy standouts from the game, and then we'll go over who did what. Jared Goff, 23 of 33, 219 passing yards and two touchdowns. Nick Foles was not good. 28 of 40, 261, two interceptions. The Rams basically went back to Malcolm Brown in this one for the goal line carry. Okay, if they say so. 10 carries, 57 yards for him. Henderson got 15 carries, 64 rushing yards. 
Hard to figure what's going on with the Rams and their running backs at this point. I don't even know if it did Akers even play. I don't, I don't I have no idea if he even play in the game. I don't know. Uh, David Montgomery, 14 carries, 48 yards, five receptions, 21 yards. I, I saw Patterson getting in on the game, and Patterson is not the guy that you want to win games for you. So how, how that's happening, I'm not even sure. And then Josh Reynolds was the one player that if you played him in standard or DFS that you could – Cheer for today, because he was the one guy, I think, that outperformed his prediction. Four receptions, 53 yards, and a touchdown. He gave you 15 fantasy points on a night where you may not even have played him. And so kind of looking at it and looking it through the uh, estimation for what you would expect, Joe, between these two teams, look, the total was 45, so you didn't expect a barn burner. I get that, but there was just no intrigue. It was start to finish. Bears just couldn't get out of their own way, and the outcome was disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, it was. And look, you can't always uh, hammer offensive lines when they face Aaron Donald. No offensive line really looks very good whenever he's on the field. Uh, But the Bears' offensive line did not play well in this game, regardless of that fact. And uh, they had a chance here in the third quarter, and then that interception that falls through in the end zone, that was kind of the undoing. That's when you knew that the Bears were done here in this game, and the Bears' offense has been lackluster. David Montgomery's been lackluster. And look, the offensive line has to give him holes to run through. There's no doubt about that in terms of fantasy. Uh, Jared Goff did a nice job of spreading the ball around. Robert Woods continues to make the most out of whatever touches he gets and continues to add to the yards after carry. That's kind of what he does. But Daryl Henderson looked good in the times that he had in this game and the carries that he had. He looked strong. He looked fast. But unfortunately, you keep losing those goal line touchdowns to Malcolm Brown, and that is incredibly frustrating. So what do you do here? You just Unfortunately, you're in a terrible committee scenario where Malcolm Brown still has a little bit of value in standard leagues because of the touchdown equity he brings you. He can basically score a touchdown and still get you 10 points in a standard league, which is stunning sometimes. And then you got Daryl Henderson, who is getting more of the workload, but doesn't have the touchdown equity unless he breaks it off on his own. So it's very frustrating. The one thing I will say, though, is if you take a look right now at that NFC West, all the teams have four or five wins. So the second half of the season, from that point of view, is going to be really interesting because basically every time these teams play each other from now to the rest of the uh, end of the season, basically, it's like playoff games. And that's going to be some fun football and some fun matchups because the 49ers are in last place with four wins. Everybody else has five. So that's going to be some fun football. It's almost playoff style, basically, every time these teams are going to match up. And the Rams are inconsistent. We know that. But this was a big win for the Rams, nonetheless, an important win for them, certainly to keep pace with the rest of this division. And in terms of the Bears, yes, they are a paper five win team. They are a team that kind of squeaked and eked and able to somehow find a way to win a couple games. But the Nick Foles fascination, I don't know at this point. I mean, I watch Foles here off and on like you. I could not watch this game start to finish. It was very difficult to watch. But do you think that it's time to give Trubisky another shot here? Or do you think that they're just going to roll with Foles for the rest of the season? They're over 500, Joe. I don't think they can make a change yet. Your thinking is not wrong, but you know they, they've, My they've gotten is trying to get a quarterback to move around a little bit more and give them something else going on. The problem is know. he turns the ball over too. It's it's really tough. Like I don't know what to spark this team in terms of offense. But it's really it's a legitimate question here going in. It's like, are you a better team with Nick Foles right now, or are you a better team with whatever? Bad comes along with Trubisky baggage-wise. I don't know. Foles didn't look good in this game. I don't know if Trubisky would no. look better, but it's tough, man. It's really tough. It's a rock in a hard place right now for right. Nick. Right. I, I think, you know you know what I think? Look, I, I'm just speaking in terms of not knowing and guessing, but 
you have a you have a locker room, Joe, and I'm going to guess that they back Foles, right? Like I'm guessing they've seen enough of Trubisky the last couple of years to say we're 5 and 2. It's not pretty. I, I think they'd have to lose a couple more games to go back to Trubisky. I do because because even Joe with horrible quarterback play and nine wins, that's above where the Bears were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it's not because of Nick Foles, but he's the guy there that when they're winning. So, um, I, I kind of it's it's tough. I kind of think that's where where I'm at at least with my opinion on this. I do want to ask you one more thing. We have a horrible Thursday night game coming up, a horrible Sunday night game coming up, and a horrible Monday night game coming up. And I maybe you're the wrong person to ask because if it's like. <laughs> You know, two high school teams playing on Thursday night, you, you, you're all jacked up and you love it. So I don't know that you're the right person. But I would like to see a scenario where they're able to do a little bit more flexing. I, I don't know how that happens, and I'm not, I'm not the guy to solve that problem. But I got to tell you, g- looking at the Sunday night game especially, Thursday night, I, I, it kind of is what it is on Thursday. I understand that everybody's got to get a nationally televised game, so therefore you're throwing Atlanta and Carolina out there. And, and look, the, the game has some potential to play well, but you're an anomaly, Joe. You're in the fantasy industry, and, and every game you're, you have 10 leagues, you're going to have a player. So, so it's going to be interesting for you. But for the common folk out there, and, and, and for some people who don't bet on every game, these games are horrible. And, and I don't know, is there a way to do something about this? Like Sunday night, really? We're going to have Danucci on Sunday night? Like that's what we're headed hey, for? My people, Danucci's going to start on Sunday night. How you doing? Uh, look, the, the telling thing is, you know, they do this later on the season as they start to, you know, swap out games for the better games on Sunday yeah. night. Because of COVID this week, they did it as well, if you recall. Right. So the yes. Seattle game got flexed. So my thinking is this. If you can flex the Seattle game, then why can't you help all of us out and take Eagles Cowboys out of that Sunday night spot? Why can't Any you do other that? Game. Well, Monday is going to be Monday. You're always going to be stuck with whatever Monday night football is. And I think on paper coming into the season, Saquon Barkley healthy, the New York Giants against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. That that's a good national game. New York, you know, versus the Tom Brady team and all that. I suppose. Yeah, well, I suppose. You can't worry about that. Like that's that's going to happen on Monday night football. Right? Right. Just like, you know, Last night happened. Sometimes you're going to get stuck. Sunday, when you can flex games, I mean, here's the thing. With the 4 o'clock games right now, I can tell you, if you gave me the 49ers versus the Seahawks and flex, flex the Seattle Seahawks again to nighttime, I would love to see that on a national stage. Wouldn't everybody want to see that game? And I understand it's complicated with they, TV. They and all it, it's stuff. hard to put the same – it's hard to put the same team on uh, Sunday night twice. I don't think that I, – maybe they've done it before, well, but it doesn't sound like Your only other option in the – Is there any other option? Is there any the other? only other options in the 4 o'clock games, you got the Chargers and the Broncos, and you got the Bears and the Saints. And I don't think you want the Bears again. I, I mean, I don't think you want that. I mean, Probably not. here's the thing. As much as we think this, this game is going to be, you know, disastrous – it is the Eagles and the Cowboys. It is an important game in the division. It is the Cowboys. Oh. The Dallas Cowboys are a national team. The the Eagles right now are sitting at the top of this division. I know. I agree with you. It's going to probably be a train wreck. But then again, some people like to watch the train wreck. There's an equal amount of people that I think like to watch Dallas just to root against them. And it's not going to be great. I agree with you. But I would take the – I don't know how many times you had a team play back-to-back, but 49ers – Versus the Seahawks on Sunday night football, sign me up. That would be a much better, an infinitely better game for Sunday night football. 
It is, and, and maybe that's the sauce next year. Maybe after week two, they can start flexing, and I or three, whatever it is. But we're halfway through the year at this point, and I think yeah. that you know who the teams are in the NFL I, pretty much halfway through the year. Uh, look, over the last 10 years, have there been teams that have gotten a lot better in the second half? Of course. I look at Tennessee last year. There's no doubt. There are going to be some. But there's only one or two. Like, you know who Denver is. <laughs> it is not right. changing. The Broncos are not going to be exciting the rest of the year. The Bears, they can win eight games like it. They're not going to be exciting. Your Patriots, they may end up winning eight games. They're not going to be an exciting team. And they don't have the, the flair that they had in the past. So part of the game, fix it. Chris got the update next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today, SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. You can catch us every day, noon to 2 Eastern. In fact, we're going to have some New programming to talk about with you here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Very, very soon we'll be able to share that news with you. Usually when we leave here at 2 o'clock Eastern, we kind of send you off on your way uh, to some replay programming here on SportsGrid. That's going to be changing very soon, so you can stay with us, stay on the grid. Another wagering show coming your way uh, very soon. We'll let you know exactly about that. Great things happening here on our network and on our channel and our show in particular. And, of course, the baseball season is coming to an end over the next couple of days. So we're going to have some new stuff here for you on the show as well, some things in the works and some planning as well to kind of get you through not just fantasy football season, but to have a little more fun here now that we're in the clear uh, as far as doing sports shows every day and being live. And we've done it now for a few months. So happy to be back with you doing that as well. Okay. We're all always looking for players that we could pick up off the waiver wire. And I know we're going to do that tomorrow, but I got to tell you all the players, Joe, that we're going to talk about here, I feel like are probably on the waiver wire in fantasy. So it's like back to back <laughs> waiver wire day, sort of. Well, yeah, I mean, look, some of these guys are on the waiver wire, but not everybody necessarily wants to be playing them. And you can call them streamers. You can call them guys on a hot streak. You can call them guys flying under the radar. It's just something to be aware of. And some guys might actually be on rosters already, but you're maybe hesitant to put them in because, well, you look at the name and you have some negativity attached to them already. But I think the first thing you want to look at is what the trend is. And I think the trend is going up for most of these players here, and that's why we're going to talk about them right now. And I think going into the season, a lot of people looked at the Las Vegas Raiders, and they thought, okay, Tyrell Williams might be able to have some good yards. And when he got hurt, oh, maybe this Brian Edwards, this young rookie guy could be the guy. No, then he got hurt. And all of a sudden, somehow, out of nowhere, Nelson Aguilar has stepped up in that void in the last three games, and he has three touchdowns in the last three games. He's got 11 of his 15 cat, uh, targets on the season there in the last three, and 218 yards. So Nelson Aguilar right now is filling a very key role here for this offense in Las Vegas. And you can argue that since he is doing such a good job that he is going to continue to do that role. He is a veteran receiver. Think of him however you want. I understand there's negativity attached, especially for Eagles fans, with Nelson Aguilar over the years never living up to the hype, never living up to the potential. And I'm not saying he's breaking out. What we have to recognize is this is a trend right now, and the trend for Nelson Aguilar is going up. And if it's going up, then this is a guy you should feel comfortable about streaming in your lineups. I understand there's bye weeks. I understand there's injuries. You're looking around the waiver wire, or you're looking at your bench and saying, do I feel confident in putting this guy out there? And right now, the trend for Aguilar is very, uh, very much on the upswing, and I think it's something to pay attention to. Now, it's a little touchdown dependent. 
But yet again, the fact that he's getting those kind of opportunities tells you where he is in the offense. And they have to diversify because the run game so far has not been great the last couple of weeks with Jacobs. Darren Waller is always going to be Darren Waller. Somebody else has to step up in this offense. And so far, at least this month, that guy's been Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, and I think it's a great suggestion. I don't trust him at all, and I think that he'll have one game good, one game bad, and that mm-hmm. will play out. But the reason why he needs to be mentioned, and I think it is fair, is and, – and this is very strange for me because Ruggs at Alabama, at least from what I recall, wasn't hurt. Like I, I don't remember him being hurt in watching him for two years there. In watching now uh, Ruggs play in every game – it seems like he keeps coming out of the game for one reason or another. He's always lifting yeah. his hand up. He makes a catch. He's got to come out. And 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 I don't recall even rookies usually asking like that. So something tells me, Joe, that the injury that he had a few weeks ago, maybe he's not over completely. Uh, I yeah. think that Ruggs is going to end up being very good for them. I, I think he may need a different quarterback there. I don't know that Carr is the guy to, to launch it and mm-hmm. find him all the time. I, I think if he had, like, Wilson, this guy would be like Metcalf and scoring a ton of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I, 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 he has to be considered. The Raiders don't have other receivers. And if Ruggs is still hurt based on the injury that he had, I think it was a midfoot sprain or an ankle a few weeks ago, then I think that you're right. I think that that, that could factor into the equation. All right, so the Buffalo Bills – have have gone like all Michael J. Fox back to the future here because it seems like all of a sudden Cole Beasley is now their top mm-hmm. target again. I, I thought we were done with that, and, and there's nothing wrong with Cole Beasley. I like Cole Beasley, Joe. I, I had Cole Beasley in fantasy last year, and he was a great PPR guy, 10, 15 points every game. But to me, it seemed like they were moving away from that with Josh Allen the first few games. Maybe Allen's not comfortable. Maybe he's going to the security blanket like they used to call it in the NFL. I don't know. They still call it that. But Beasley's last three games, he's back on the PPR map again. We know he's not going to score a ton of touchdowns, but, Joe, these numbers are impossible to argue. This is 15 fantasy points, three straight weeks Mm -hmm. for Cole Beasley. Uh, John Brown, surprisingly to me, because I love John Brown, has not been the weapon that he was in the past. I'm guessing that's because of Diggs. But Beasley uh, a little bit. That's what, you know, it's, I think you could circle after week two. That's when John Brown started having the issue with the calf. And I think ever since he started having the issue with the calf, all of a sudden you see Beasley start to work himself back into this offense. So to me, I think it's twofold. Number one is the John Brown health. That's kind of factored into Cole Beasley getting so much workload. And the other thing is right now, at least, the lack of a run game, because how are you going to move the chains here a little at a time if you can't run the football efficiently? And Buffalo is not. They're one of the worst teams in the league running the football. And you take Josh Allen's rushing yards away. They are the worst. So what do you do then? You go to that Patriot style thing. You look at that slot wide receiver. You try to pick up five or six yards at a time. And if you're doing that consistently, Guess what? These stats start to look a whole lot like Julian Edelman, don't they? If I told you over the last three games this was a Julian Edelman stat line, everyone would go, okay, sure, whatever, Julian Edelman, of course. Why wouldn't he get 25 targets over three games? But Cole Beasley, for some reason, we always, well, we roll our eyes. Cole Beasley had some moments in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, last year he was relevant. But look at Diggs, look at Brown. But Brown's not healthy. They can't run the football. Until further notice, Cole Beasley is going to be that possession-wide receiver intermediary guy who is going to help them move the chains in this offense by default. And if you are just in a straight-up PPR league, there is no reason you cannot put Cole Beasley out there as a wide receiver three for the foreseeable future. All right, now at tight end, we're always looking for under-the-radar players, and and everyone thought a few weeks ago that Logan Thomas was going to end up being a thing. Uh, He kind of faded a little bit, and now he's back on the map again, Joe. Now, look, the numbers really don't necessarily indicate that Thomas is ready for a breakout. 
But with bye weeks happening, we're always looking for a tight end to start. The question is, can he survive on getting red zone reads, goal line reads, and touchdowns? Because honestly, Joe, I I don't think Allen's going to be throwing 40 passes in a game anytime soon. So my estimation is four or five catches a game, kind of like how uh, how, uh, Schultz was playing a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the ceiling for Thomas. You're probably right, but I think the two things you take away from the last two games with Kyle Allen are consistency and red zone opportunities. So if you're going to give this guy basically four targets a game and one or two of them are going to be in the red zone, that's enough upside for a low-end tight end. And that's also enough upside in daily fantasy uh, over on FanDuel that you could look at Logan Thomas, who, for instance, last week was just 5K over there on FanDuel. That's a really good return on investment if he catches the if he catches the touchdown. All of a sudden, this is a guy going into double digits, and you're at two and a half to three times value with this player, and that's a really good sign. And as Kyle Allen continues to get more comfortable in this offense and out there, I mean, it's only been two games. Logan Thomas has proven that he can handle more of a workload. So I think what happened was he got off to a good start with Haskins. Haskins started to struggle. The offense started to struggle. Everything kind of went south, and then Kyle Allen slowly kind of pulling things back up. And along with it, the good news is. Logan Thomas is getting pulled along too. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes certain quarterbacks favor other guys, and all of a sudden, somebody that you're really high on after a couple of weeks and there's a quarterback change, they kind of get left by the wayside. And unfortunately, that happens more often than not. That's not happening right here with Logan Thomas. And I think that's a very positive thing to take away for his value, not just in season long, but also daily, because in daily, you're looking for that. Who's that guy that's got touchdown equity? Who's a cheap tight end I can look at? When you look at that million dollar lineup every week, Most of the time, the one-off difference, it's a chalk lineup for the most part, except for that one-off wide receiver like that Claypool week, that one-off tight end or that one-off defense that has a big week out of nowhere. And Logan Thomas could be that kind of guy, and it's somebody to keep it on your radar. And in season long, I think I feel comfortable with him throughout these bye weeks or if I've had injuries. And I'll tell you what, if you ask me rest of season, would I rather have him or Dalton Schultz? I'd rather have Logan Thomas. All right, let's close it out here with another tight end. And look, uh, TJ Hawkinson came into the NFL with a lot of fanfare, a lot of a lot of thought that he'd be a favorite target of Matthew Stafford. Honestly, had a hard time staying on the field last year and didn't exactly start off this year looking any different. But all of a sudden, Joe, he has really flourished. And instead of Marvin Jones being a target, it's been more mm-hmm. Hawkinson, who uh, has 22 receptions in six games, 31 targets, 256 yards. He had the game-winning touchdown, which in fantasy just looks like seven points, Joe, but in reality means a lot <laughs> to teams in the NFL. When you catch the ball, you gain confidence not just to the quarterback, but from the team as well. Maybe this is the beginning of Hawkinson. I'm, I'm hesitant. Maybe. I'm hesitant here because Maybe. I'm not sure that, you know, again, his – He's shown this in the past and then kind of fluttered a little bit, and I do think you also have to consider the injury factor and concussions with him. But this is one of those players, Joe, where the answer is simple for me. What do you have to lose, right? Pick him up, hold on to him, see what happens. There's no loss here just by holding him. No, and I think the context to talk about Hawkinson, too, is in keeper and dynasty formats because what you're seeing right now is a really good trend that maybe some people aren't really aware of and he becomes a really fascinating trade target in those leagues especially if let's say you didn't have a good year and you're out of it and you're looking for some pieces that you might be able to add to your team for next year hawkinson's one of those pieces like you said doesn't cost you too much to find out and it's been tough for hawkinson because he had that great game everybody remembers last year week one of the season he was gangbusters man the guy was phenomenal had a huge game And then ever since, he's been trying to live up to that. And last year was completely injury-riddled. It was a terrible season for him. This year started off slow, but now 
things are starting to go in a good direction. You're seeing consistent targets. You're seeing touchdowns. And right now, he's on pace for eight touchdowns this year. You're a tight end who catches eight touchdowns. You are on my radar. I am sorry, everybody. That is a big deal. And I think it's not just for the redraft leagues right now, but it's also for those keeper dynasty formats because I'm sure some people who are high on him might have soured, might not realize just kind of under the radar how quietly good he's been the last few weeks. And this is a great opportunity to pounce on him right now. Marvin Jones is getting older. Marvin Jones, if he didn't perform last week against the Atlanta Falcons, I think you could pretty much stick a fork at him. It's over. I think what you're going to look for is him and DeAndre Swift and Kenny Galladay going forward in this Lions offense. And that's going to be a really good thing for Hawkinson's fantasy value. It's interesting with tight ends because, in general, they kind of come out of nowhere and become great. It's usually the way that it works. Maybe Hawkinson's next. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid. It is Hot Take Tuesday. Before we get to Hot Take Tuesday... A note here to bring along that uh, report on Chris Godwin of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to miss this week's game with a fractured finger. Oh, another player that I'm going to have to replace this week in fantasy. Not easy to do. Drafted Godwin, of course, very high and has been in and out of the lineup for sure. So, uh, Joe, before we get to the Buccaneers, and we're going to talk about them here in a minute, it's been maddening trying to figure out who Tom Brady's targets are this year, right? Like, I mean, it, it, just when you feel good about Godwin, you feel bad. Mm-hmm. There's been no good feeling on Evans. Scotty Miller has been a play. Uh, Gronk now all of a sudden is like the main uh, target. It's amazing. Yeah, I, I would be looking for more Gronk, and I'd be looking for more Scotty Miller this week, too, because I just don't believe Evans is healthy. And I know Antonio Brown is now official as well, so Tampa – clearly is uh, gearing up for all those wide receivers they have. But I'll tell you, uh, it's going to be tough, man. It is tough. You bet Godwin has been in and out of this lineup for fantasy now for the entire season. It is very frustrating. But I will say, let's hope that he gets back on the field sooner than later. We shall find out. But AB looks like a good signing right now and looks like more of a necessary one and not the luxury item that a lot of people thought was going to be the case. But that kind of brings us to our first hot take of the day, too. And the first hot take is this. The Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC. Now, I don't know about you, Craig, but uh, certainly there's some contenders here. Russell Wilson will have something to say about this, I'm sure. Some problems with the Seattle defense. Green Bay looked great until they played Tampa, but Tampa's got a lot of injuries and some issues as good as they've played. So I'll tell you, it's a tough one, I think. I think they might be the most complete team, but Craig, are they the best team? Is this a hot take? No, I don't think it is. I think that there's a chance that the Buccaneers are the best. They've played fantastic. Last week they played great as well. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to stick with that idea. I don't think it's hot at all. I like the way that they've looked defensively too. I think they're probably, if not one of the top five defenses in the NFL, they're definitely in the top ten. So not a hot take at all for me. Yeah, I for some reason, despite Seattle's loss, I can't get them out of my head. There's something about Russell Wilson this year that just feels like he's playing on another level, but collectively as a team, it's hard not to say that it's the Buccaneers right now because the way that defense has played the last couple weeks. I will say this, though. I will say this. 
They got to stay healthy. I mean, Evans right now doesn't look healthy. Godwin's going to miss time again. I don't know if you could just keep bringing in all Tom Brady's best friends from other teams and make it all work every week, but who knows what Bruce Arians can do, that's for sure. All right, the next one here, Josh Allen, go to the Buffalo here. Josh Allen will lead the Buffalo Bills this year in rushing. Is that a hot take, Greg? Because the Bills' run game has not been good. And I guess the question is, is Zach Moss now healthy going to make it better? Or are we looking at Josh Allen, the quarterback, leading his team in rushing, which is it's not impossible to have happen. But is it a hot take? Uh, I, I think so. I think so. You know why? Because I, I think that, yeah, you know, it's kind of, it's an interesting question. It's an interesting one here because Allen could break off a long one. But I think it's more likely that either Singletary or Moss, one of those guys is going to have a big game. One of those guys is going to end up having like a 60-yard rush in a game. Both of them have decent speed, not closing speed. They'll get caught from behind. So I'm. It's it's not entirely hot. I would say it's a warm take, Joe. I, I think someone else will lead the team in rushing. So uh, I agree. I think this is a hot take. I think someone will emerge here in the second half. I don't know who, but it better be somebody, and it better be fast, Craig. Because I can tell you this much, man. If they don't get something going soon before it gets to be 20 degrees there, before the snow comes and everything else, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I also don't know what's going to happen in New England. Because they do not look good at all. And as bad as some teams are, usually there's some fantasy assets you can look at. I mean, Jacksonville's got players we want to be playing. Look at James Robinson, how good he's been. You know, just because you haven't won a lot of games. I mean, even the Jets, for God's sakes, Crowder was an automatic start. But is it a hot take to say that the Patriots have zero fantasy assets at this point in time? That there's absolutely nobody, not even Superflex, not even a deep league that you feel good about? Because Julian Edelman's always hurt. The run game is a complete disaster. I don't know about you, Craig. I do not look at any Patriot right now. James White, Rex Burkhead, Harris. I don't care any of them that you can say you feel good about starting. And that is a sad sad statement in time in 2020 because even the worst team the jets have a couple guys that i feel like well i can play him or maybe p ryan this week he looks like he might be something or, or maybe brashad perryman or look denzel mims has four catches maybe i start him the rest here with the pats craig i don't know man this doesn't feel like a hot take to me this feels true it, it does the only caveat is edelman he's the only one because I mean, but can he keeps you have coming out of games? <laughs> you want to talk yeah. about Henry yeah, Ruggs no, coming it, out of games? I, I look at it and it? say to myself, in in week eight, do I have if I'm in? It depends on the format, but if I have to start three receivers and there's no flex, right? Do I have three receivers better than Edelman on my team to start? I, I think Edelman is going to be starting in leagues this week, but it is not a hot take. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't. You probably are going to have to find somebody better. And, and yeah, look, we went down this road last year with New England, and they, I think they traded for Sanu. Well, that was last year, right? Yeah, and, and that turned last out year, and they cut him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that turned out to be bad. So, yeah, I'm going to say that's not a hot take. And very few teams in the NFL would just say this about, but because of the way they do their running backs, it's probably spot on. It's it's tough, and it's something I talked about yesterday on the podcast, and we were kind of joking about it, and then we really went through it and said, no, I, d I don't think there is. There's not one guy that you're at least confident. Now, you're right. Edelman will probably be starting, but I'd rather be starting Cole Beasley this week. I would probably rather be starting, oh, yeah. uh, let's say, Nelson Aguilar, who we just talked about in the last segment, than Edelman. Certainly is going to have more touchdown equity than Edelman. Edelman's not a guy that caught a lot of TDs anyway. It is frustrating right now. And look, Demir Bird is a guy that keeps getting open, 
And somehow he's out there open all the time and nobody can throw the football to him. It is stunning. But uh, it's a sad state of affairs, which brings me back to that narrative we talked about yesterday. The Patriots refused to invest in playmakers, and it has finally caught up to them, and it's showing now in fantasy and reality. All right, here's a little reality for the Eagles. Jalen Ragar is finally going to come back. Oh, my goodness. So here's the question for you. The rest of the season, this is it. This is the guy. He's your Eagles' number one wide receiver the rest of the season. Is that a hot take? Because a lot of people feel like it's going to be the kid. Let's go. Is this truth, though, or is this just a hot take, Craig? I think he's going to be the best wide receiver on the Eagles in the next five years, but not the next five games. So I, mm. I can't count on that. I, I've watched him play. He looks like the best wide receiver on their field when he's healthy, for sure. I, I've stated many times, I've watched a lot of his games at TCU. I think he's a superstar. I think he ends up being the best of all the wide receivers in the class. But I just don't know that it will happen this year. Wentz, to me, still doesn't look right. Their offensive line is not good. And... Uh, I, I don't know that I mean, he's he's a deep threat guy. I don't know that Wentz has the time to find uh, Jalen Rager. So I'm going to say moving forward, I'm in love with this guy, and I, and I have been for years. I think he's going to be a star, but I don't know that he'll be the number one guy this year. I can't say that. If, if you ask me, well, if it's not him, who is it? It's Greg Ward. Five catches, 50 yards, every game. <laughs> so not Travis Fulgham. You're not drinking the Kool-Aid on Fulgham. It's Greg Ward. It would be okay, but, but statistically speaking, Greg Ward, the rest of the season, I think, puts up the most points because he's always going to be the five catches, 50 yards, and he doesn't get hurt. Well, there's going to be more opportunity here because with all the tight ends hurt still, the wide receivers, you know, especially this week against Dallas. Uh, no, I don't believe he is. Uh, I, I will oh. double check that. I don't want to speak out of turn, but I, I know Zer Zach Ertz is out for a while. I think Goddard is out this week. I don't know if we have clarity on it yet, but I'll do a little work on that before we come back from the next break. But regardless, it's Dallas. And I think we've learned something last week, right? Doesn't matter who you are, yeah. what offense you are. It doesn't matter. All in. You take all your chips and fantasy and whoever you have is going against Dallas. You push them into the front of the table, and then you sit back and watch the points come in. That's what you do. Uh, all right, last uh, another one here. We got a hot take here. Giant James Robinson will outscore Ezekiel Elliott the rest of the season. And you say, well, this is kind of a silly thing, but is it? This was actually a poll on Fantasy Pros yesterday, and the results might surprise you because over 2,000 votes on this poll, 65% said James Robinson rest of season. Now, I don't know if that's recency bias with the really good game that he just had and the really bad game. Robinson had a couple clunkers there in a row. But is this a hot take, the way the Dallas offense is kind of spiraling out of control where the Cowboys in general are spiraling out of control? Yeah, this is a hot take. I I'm still going to take Zeke in, in this spot. I, I know he's been horrible the last two weeks. I get it. But he essentially is still getting every goal line carry. He's still getting goal line work. Uh, I, I'm unclear w which direction Jacksonville's going offensively. I still feel like they figured out Robinson a little bit. I can't go. I can't go this far. I, ca I cannot go this far with with Robinson outscoring Elliott. Can't do it. It wouldn't shock me if it were the case. But I think it's a hot take. And I and I you, all you have it. to do is look back at the last three weeks before. Week seven, where Robinson was averaging just nine fantasy points a week. What are we doing here? We were at the point of what are we going to do with this guy? Do we drop him? Do we bench him? How can we keep rolling him out there? Then he has a great game. Elliot has another bad game. Like Elliot's had problems this year. He's had problems fumbling the football. He's had problems getting yeah, out there. Yeah. The quarterback play is now you're in your third string quarterback right now. There's a lot of reason for concern. There was some narrative out there that, oh, Ezekiel Elliott will be even better now when Andy Dalton's quarterback. How's that look now, boys and girls? 
That doesn't look like good analysis. All those people were saying that. All right, last one here, and this one might surprise you. Let's talk about Justin Herbert, who's just dropping 300-yard games like it's nothing, man. He's just dropping them all over the place. Hot take or not, Justin Herbert is a top-five fantasy quarterback. Yeah, also hot take. I, I, look, Herbert, I've been completely wrong on and willing to take a big loss on him. But I went back and I looked at this. He's played against the worst defenses in the NFL. So, uh, mm-hmm. look, it's going to ch- – and really there aren't a lot of good defenses in the NFL. That is true, too. But I, I do think at some point the, the video is going to be out, the film is going to be out, things will change. He could still be very viable. I cannot go that high. I know he scored like that the last couple of weeks, but I do ah. think that that will change. Uh, I still got to take Brady. Brady's playing at the best level I've seen again, no doubt. I still got to take Wilson. I still got to take Mahomes. Um, Rogers. I, I still got to take Rogers, to be honest with you, at this Probably. point. And then I, I'll find somebody Watson. else to go in the top five. Kyler Murray is the yeah, not Kyler Murray's the number one scoring quarterback right now in fantasy, believe it or not. But here's the, here's the fun part, right? Justin Herbert, since he's took over, is actually number six. So maybe this yeah, isn't as no, hot makes as people I believe realize. It. Yeah, I mean, I I actually did not believe. It. I thought I was like, whoa, number six, Justin Herbert. The, the, the really? quality of, right. of opponent has been brutal for him. He's been very fortunate to go. And, and again, a lo- remember, I I can't find five good defenses in the NFL anymore. But he's played against the bottom five, so it, that that's part of it. Has to be part of the conversation. Uh, I I do think it will get tougher for him going forward. I think you're right. I think this is a hot take. He has played like it. But he's not Murray, Wilson, Mahomes. You know, Rodgers has been up and down. But after last week, I think you feel good again about Aaron Rodgers going Every forward. game Rodgers has been good, but one. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, he had a couple of other games. He had one other game where statistically it wasn't great because Jones had a couple of touchdowns in there. But but you're right. Overall, it's been good. But Herbert, look, I got to tell you, uh, I am nothing but impressed with this guy. And I was another one of these folks that thought that Herbert would take a little bit more time. All my attention was on Joe Burrow. And right now, I know we're up against the break, but right now, who's having the better rookie season, Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert? It's kind of a good question. <laughs> uh, it's, it's close, but I'll still go Burrow. Yeah, I, I think I'll go Burrow as well, but it's getting closer every week, it feels like. And and you know what? Burrow yeah. kind of was on a downward trend, and he saved himself with a huge game last week. But it's been good. It's a good sign for both those organizations moving forward, no doubt yeah, about it. it is for sure. All right, we're going to uh, we're going to take a look at defense special teams, maybe some streaming options and ask the question of who has the most fantasy points in 2020. That answer may surprise you. Then we'll come back at the top of the hour we'll preview the World Series game 6. Of course, that's coming up later today. We still got a full hour to go here on Fantasy Sports today. Make sure you stay tuned, follow us on Twitter, SportsGrid, follow me on Twitter at Ignition Joe at PS17. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Tomorrow's show, Dr. David Chow will be with us. The latest in injuries in the NFL will bring that to you tomorrow on Fantasy Sports Today. We have a two-hour show, though, so you want to make sure that you tune into the second hour. We're going to do a lot more World Series talk and preview Game 6 tonight. But, Joe, before we do that, let's do our little fantasy trivia of the day, and it, it is surrounding defense slash special teams in fantasy football. 
Yeah, well, defense wins championships, they say. But last year, actually, won some fantasy championships because the San Francisco 49ers and the New England Patriots had stunningly good defenses last year. What a difference a year makes. I don't know if you've seen any defense out there this year. Craig and I haven't seen much. But who, who, who is the number one fantasy defense right now in terms of fantasy scoring in 2020, Craig? The Chiefs. That is incorrect, but a great guess. They are number four, and they are my favorite defense. You know that. All the free Chiefs you can possibly get. Number three is the Colts. Number two, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Number one, even after the bye, it's the Baltimore Ravens, actually. The Baltimore Ravens are the number one defense, and I thought that was surprising, too. I figured it was the Bucks, the Chiefs, somebody like that. Here's another fun fact. Number seven overall in fantasy points. It's actually the Arizona Cardinals of all teams. Who would have thought that? Now, granted, they did have some points against Dallas. <laughs> that certainly helped. But I think you want to uh, look forward there at some of these defenses that are kind of surprisingly good. And Tampa has been one of those that I think has surprised a lot of people with how good they've been, especially this year, Craig, year over year, not turning the ball over as much. You know, this defense was pretty good last year. Winston just put them in terrible spots over and over again. They were just on the field too much with all of those interceptions that he threw. All of a sudden, you take all those turnovers away and look at them. They're the number two fantasy defense. What a difference a year makes for them as well. Yeah, I, I mean, th- that being said, with a horrible defense, I don't know why Winston's not on Dallas right now. What are they doing? Cowboys need to call call New Orleans and get Winston. Just do it. Get it done. I like your Taylor conversation. Taylor deserves a shot. That's who I like. I like what you said yesterday about Tyrod Taylor. Why not? Somebody, man. I can't believe we're headed toward that on Sunday night, but here we are. Okay, uh, hour two is straight ahead here on Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure you stay on the grid. Joe and I will be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 